We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 734 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, January 5th, 2024. The Washington-Dallas rivalry in the NFL. A rivalry that gave us some epic wins for the Redskins. The NFC Championship game for the 1972 season. The NFC Championship game for the 1982 season. The battle for the NFC East title on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 of the 2012 season. Well, (laughs) this Sunday is not the day for another Washington win in the rivalry. Nope, this Sunday is for a Washington loss. I am a lifelong fan of the Skins slash Washington football team slash Commanders. Uh, I always will be a fan of the Skins slash Washington football team slash Commanders. But what I want this Sunday, what I know many of you want this Sunday, is a loss. Because a loss would do our team a lot of good in the quest for the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. A pick that our team is in position to get as things stand right now. For weeks, we on this podcast have been conducting Operation Lose Out. (laughs) I, on Monday's show, episode 731, began a Dallas week unlike any (laughs) Dallas week in Washington history. Heck, the great Scott Allen of the Washington Post wrote a terrific article on this unusual Dallas week, highlighting what we've done on this podcast. And so here we are, week 18 of the NFL's 2023 regular season, the 4-12 and 12 Commanders versus the 11-5 and 5 Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 425, the final game of the Commanders' hideous 2023 season, the final game before Commander's managing partner Josh Harris fires head coach Ron Rivera and who knows who else, and a game that for draft position purposes, the Commanders must lose. It is as simple as that. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can hear the chant. Listen closely 
Yes, we want Dallas. We want Dallas to win. <laughs> That's right. We want Dallas. We want Dallas to win. <laughs> you know, that chant is a real We Want Dallas chant from back in the day at RFK Stadium. That is not a phonied up We Want Dallas chant. That is an authentic We Want Dallas chant. One day, our team will be back to a place in which us rooting against the team is blasphemy. But for this game, this Sunday, we must do what needs to be done. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Coming up later in the show, I will lay out for you the Commander's NFL Draft scenario. Where exactly do things stand for Week 18? What are the key outcomes to be rooting for in Week 18? Uh, all of that is coming up right before I conduct rhyming keys for Commanders Cowboys, uh, rhyming keys for quarterback Sam Howell playing well, because I do still want him to play well, uh, but also <laughs> a Commanders loss. The keys in rhyming fashion to Sam playing well, but also the Commanders losing. But speaking of Sam, uh, also coming up on the show is a conversation with Commanders analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.com. Substack.com. Uh, Mark is going to give us an outstanding X's and O's breakdown of where and why Sam Howell's season has gone wrong and where and how Commander's assistant head coach and offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy has gone wrong. And speaking of Eric, uh, next segment, reaction to and discussion of comments from Eric at a post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon, what may well have been his final media availability as an employee of the Commanders. Uh, Eric addressed potentially being fired. He addressed his coaching career, given that the idea with him coming to the Commanders was for his tenure with the team to help him get an NFL head coaching job. He addressed the challenges and realities of trying to develop a quarterback. All of that and more from Eric from EB. Next segment. Uh, and also on the show, I'll talk some college basketball. Tough game for number 19, James Madison, on Thursday night. But the Dukes did win. Uh, they, for this season, improved a 14-0 and overall and 2-0 and in the Sunbelt Conference with a 68-61 win at Louisiana. Uh, before we get to some feedback, a salute to Top Line Tom. Uh, Capitals Top Line right wing Tom Wilson we on Thursday evening learned that he has been selected to the 2024 NHL All-Star Game roster. Uh, this is his second career All-Star Game selection. His first was in 2022 NHL All-Star Weekend will take place at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, February 1st through the third. Uh, Tom Wilson for this regular season is number one on the caps in hits, is number one on the caps in penalties drawn, is tied for number one on the caps in games played, is number two on the caps in shots on goal, is tied for number two on the caps in goals, and is number four on the caps in points. Uh, not bad, especially considering that it was less than two years ago, May 3rd, 2022, that Tom Wilson suffered a torn left ACL. 
Uh, and keep in mind that the Caps this past August 4th announced the signing of Wilson to a seven-year $45.5 million contract extension. So he is playing up to that contract extension. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Thelonious Funk on Rod Rivera for a conversation on Wednesday's show, episode 732, dispelling the myth that Ron changed the culture for Washington, that he significantly improved the team's culture. Writes Thelonious, thanks for highlighting the scams of Ron Jeff Fisher Rivera, (laughs) but you missed a few. How could you forget about AGG, the golden child, Antonio Gandy Golden and his Rubik's Cube prowess? What about Federian Milk Carton Mathis. <laughs> that was a great pick, huh? Hey, at least Ron took Dax Milne off punt returns and finally cut Troy Apke after realizing that Trap had no position flex. In regards to Ron's three pillars, attitude, preparation, effort, that he had up on the sign that he had for players for a while. When have any of his Washington teams displayed any real attitude? In order to display attitude, you must have an identity which Ron's Washington teams have never established. The identity and attitude help you prepare for engagement. I believe that effort is the easiest part of the mantra. If you don't play full bore in football, you're going to get seriously hurt. Effort means that you're trying. You can effort towards something but never really accomplish anything. See Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney, (laughs) or watch Chase Young rush a quarterback. (laughs) Keep up the outstanding work, Goldie. I cannot remember ever being this excited for a Monday. Uh, Well, thank you for the email, Thelonious. Uh, I can't wait for Monday either. And long live AGG, Antonio Gandy-Golden. The Redskins took receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden in the fourth round of the 2020 draft out of Liberty. Uh, The pick was widely praised. ESPN NFL front office insider Louis Riddick on the ESPN slash ABC telecast of day three of the 2020 draft called the Skins taking AGG a, quote, spectacular pick by the Redskins, end quote. NFL draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network and NFL.com, he labeled the skin selection of AGG as the best value pick in the fourth round of the 2020 draft. But uh, AGG ended up not doing much for Washington. He, in the 2022 offseason, made the switch from receiver to tight end. But Rod Rivera, on July 28, 2022, what was day two of 2022 Commander's Training Camp, announced that Antonio Gandy-Golden had decided to retire. Long live AGG. From AG to AGG, I say long live AGG. Email from Philip C., the PhD on me and many other Commanders fans rooting for the team to lose this game to the Cowboys. Uh, Philip is an adjunct professor in the School of Medicine in the University of Maryland Medical School. He is one of many high-level, high-IQ listeners of this podcast. Uh, I will put the collective IQ of the listenership of this podcast against the listenership of any other podcast. That challenge is out there, man. Uh, uh, But writes Philip, my thesis is that from a fan perspective, actually rooting for a loss is an example of a false cause fallacy. 
whether I root for my team has no real or actual effect on the outcome of a game. My low-stakes rooting causes neither victory nor defeat. Therefore, I can perform the most basic of fan activities, rooting for victory, even if draft order hangs in the balance. If the team wins, I revel in the victory. If the team loses, then a more favorable draft order becomes my consolation prize. There is no logical reason for me to root for the team to lose. Finally, it is not a foregone conclusion that a rational fan would even want to sacrifice a current win for any given future draft order difference. As economics teaches us, the future is uncertain and is always discounted relative to the present. The degree to which small differences in future draft order are discounted is subjective and therefore varies from person to person. No disrespect for the players, but how many rooted for losses would some Washington fans wish to have back over the past decade for the marginal benefit of securing the likes of Mr. Doxon, Haskins, Young, Davis, or Forbes? And we don't even know the names of the front office staff who will be selecting draft picks in 2024. Thank you for the email, Philip. Wow, that was a different look at the issue of whether Commanders fans should be rooting for the team to lose out. Well, I am rooting for the team to lose out. You know, there's a key part of Commanders fans like me wanting as high of a pick in the 2024 draft as possible that too often is not brought up by those who do not want the team to lose out. And that key part is trade value. Yes, the NFL draft is a crapshoot. Yes, there are no guarantees with any player taken in any draft spot. But here's what is guaranteed. The higher the pick, the more trade value that that pick has. So even if you're not all that excited by the commanders potentially drafting USC quarterback Caleb Williams or North Carolina quarterback Drake May, Think about it like this. What if whoever is running commander's football operations moving forward actually prefers the perceived number three quarterback in the 2024 draft, LSU's Jaden Daniels, over Williams in May? Then the commanders might be able to trade down and still get the quarterback who they most want. And the team would get more for the number two overall pick than the team would get for the number three overall pick, which would bring back more than the number four overall pick would bring back, and so on and so forth. So trade value is a key part of me and others wanting the commanders to lose out. And the notion of trade value, of course, works in the opposite direction. In other words, the commanders having the number two overall pick would guarantee them being able to get Caleb Williams or Drake May without having to trade up. Well, if there was a draft of law firms, Paulson and Nace would be number one. Paulson and Nace fights for victims like no other law firm does. Chris Nace, Matt Nace, and the rest of the team do excellent work. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. As we like to say, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. 
Paulson and Nace is a law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C., and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace provides passionate advocacy on behalf of injury victims designed to help them and their families move forward after the most difficult of times. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. In fact, Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. But how about this by Paulson and Nace? Two verdicts versus Merrill Dow totaling $132 million. Yes, Paulson and Nace has taken on Big Pharma and won. Heck, Paulson and Nace has taken on the U.S. government and won. Bradley versus the United States of America. Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government had to pay nearly $1.8 million. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. Hey, if you happen to be listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review of the podcast saying that you like it. The review can be just a sentence or two, but the reviews help out the podcast a lot. So thank you for doing them. Week 18 of the NFL's 2023 regular season gives us the 4-12 and 12 Commanders against the 11-5 and 5 Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon at 425. The season finale. Four, the Manders. Uh, their injury report for Thursday's practice, like the injury report for Wednesday's practice, listed 12 players, three offensive players, and nine defensive players. On offense, quarterback Jacoby Brissett on Thursday was a full participant in practice. This off for Wednesday's practice, having been a limited participant due to the hamstring injury that had him inactive for the 27-10 loss to the San Francisco 49ers at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon, New Year's Eve afternoon. Uh, Right tackle Andrew Wiley on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day, this due to the elbow injury that had him inactive for the loss to the Niners. And receiver Curtis Samuel on Thursday did not practice. This off him for Wednesday, having been listed as a full participant in practice. He's dealing with a hamstring ailment. On defense, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day, this due to a knee injury. Uh, Sticking with that interior defensive lineman position group, John Ridgway on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day, this due to a foot ailment. Uh, The commander's secondary remains banged up big time. Safety Cameron Curl on Thursday did not practice. This off him for Wednesday, having been listed as a full participant in practice. He's dealing with a quadriceps issue. Corner Kendall Fuller on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. This due to the knee injury that had him inactive for the loss to the Diners. Corner Benjamin St. Juice on Thursday was a full participant in practice. This off him for Wednesday's practice, having been a limited participant due to the concussion 
that had him inactive for the loss to the Niners. A corner Christian Holmes on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. This due to the concussion that he suffered in the loss to the Niners. A corner Tariq Castro-Fields on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. This due to the shoulder injury that he suffered in the loss to the Niners. Defensive back Quan Martin on Thursday was a full participant in practice. This off him for Wednesday's practice, having been a limited participant due to a chest ailment. Uh, And edge defender Casey Tuhill on Thursday was a limited participant in practice. This off him for Wednesday, having been listed as a full participant in practice. He's dealing with a shoulder problem. When it comes to who is going to play this Sunday and who isn't, be ready for anything. Uh, expect anything. A good friend of this podcast, Commander's Insider, J.P. Finley of NBC4, he on Thursday afternoon posted the following on X, quote, I get the vibe a lot of Commander's veterans won't play this weekend, end quote. Uh, And that, my friends, is a good thing. Uh, That vibe is a good vibe. Uh, As the great Marky Mark, along with the Funky Bunch, (laughs) said many years ago, those are some good vibrations, okay? Give me those good vibrations. Forget Mark Wahlberg's acting career. His peak was as Marky Mark. Uh, Well, the all-time great song, Good Vibrations, uh, was a big deal in 1991, taken in the second round of the 1991 NFL Draft by the San Diego Chargers, was a running back out of the University of Colorado named Eric Bieniemy. Uh, He now is the commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, although probably not for much longer. Uh, Eric on Thursday afternoon did a post-practice press conference that started around 1.45. He did not do his usual Thursday pre-practice press conference. Uh, These would figure to have been his final public words with the commanders, unless he does not get fired in the coming days. See, what's tricky is, is commander's managing partner Josh Harris on Sunday night or Monday or whenever going to fire head coach Ron Rivera and a bunch of other people? Or is Josh just going to fire Ron, hire the new head of football operations, and then let that person decide on whether to fire the bunch of other people? Uh, What also plays into this is who has an expiring contract versus who is under contract beyond this season. But anyway, this was Eric Biennemi on Thursday afternoon on the uncertainty that he and so many others on the commanders are facing right now. You know what? You live in the moment. The only thing I can worry about and control is today. Uh, Right now, I'm here having this press conference with you guys, spending this time and this moment with you. Uh, We go back inside. Obviously, we'll we'll have an opportunity to watch today's practice. We'll continue preparation for uh, for Red Zone. So that's where my focus is. You can only live in the now and live in 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 this particular moment. You can't worry about tomorrow. You can take care of tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. Well, that was a typical cliche-filled <laughs> Eric Bieniemy answer in which he said a lot of words, uh, but actually said nothing. But look, what was he supposed to say to a question about the uncertainty that he and so many others on the commanders are facing right now? Uh, it was this past February 18th that the commanders announced the hiring of Eric Bieniemy as assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. The whole point of him leaving the Kansas City Chiefs was for him to escape the shadow 
of Chiefs head coach Andy Reid and Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes in order to finally get an NFL head coaching job. Uh, Eric was an offensive assistant for the Chiefs for each of Andy Reid's first 10 seasons as Chiefs head coach. Uh, Eric was the Chiefs running backs coach for the 2013 through 2017 seasons and was the Chiefs offensive coordinator for the 2018 through 2022 seasons. But Eric was continually denied an NFL head coaching job. He, per USA Today, has interviewed for 16 NFL head coaching jobs with 15 teams. He has not gotten a single one of those jobs. Well, what has happened with the commanders this season would not seem to have helped him in his quest to get an NFL head coaching job. There are 32 teams in the NFL. The commanders for this regular season are 24th in the NFL in total offense per DVOA are 20th in the NFL in yards per play, are 23rd in the NFL in third down efficiency. Uh, that is not good offense. Eric Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on if his experience with the Commanders has at all altered his career outlook. I mean, you're always self-evaluating, but at, uh, when it's all said and done with, the only thing that you can worry about is this moment. This is all that matters. Uh, obviously, it, it hasn't been the season that we would like it to be, but I, I've had a great deal of fun. Uh, it was, it's been a great opportunity working with the coaching staff uh, and just the personalities and, you know, sharing all the different intimate moments that you have throughout the course of a season and then having this opportunity to work with some of these players. It's been a great learning experience, not only for them, but for me as well, just getting uh, to know people and then understanding personalities and then just making sure that you can make what you know fit with the dynamics of what you have in that room. So it's, it's been something that I'm looking forward to, and it's been a great experience. And so I want to use everything that I've learned this year, the good, the bad, and the indifferent, to move forward in a positive light. You know, another thing about this season for Eric Bieniemy is all of the losing. Uh, the Chiefs, over Eric's 10 seasons as an offensive assistant for the team, had a regular season winning percentage of 722 and made the playoffs in nine of the 10 seasons, accumulating two Super Bowl titles, three AFC championships, and five AFC championship game appearances. Uh, the commanders for this regular season are 4-12 and with the second worst point differential in the NFL, minus 161. Eric Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on what it has been like dealing with all of the losing this season off all of the winning that he enjoyed the previous 10 seasons. It's, it's, it's been a challenge. It has been. It's... I know it's been a challenge because I've probably gotten more phone calls and more text messages than I ever have uh, in the past 10 years. So um, you try not to internalize it. It's tough because when you are a competitor, uh, you always want to win regardless. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those people that I want to beat you in, in, in checkers. I want to beat you in Uno, uh, whatever. And so it is hard, but I think because of my competitive fire that helps me, that keeps me going in this industry, it forces you to continue to grow. 
because now it forces you to really take an in-depth look at self, okay? It forces you to reevaluate everything that you're doing and how you're doing. Uh, it forces you to make sure that you're doing a, uh, even better job of over-communicating with your staff and with your players, but also just what you're doing, uh, basically just taking a look at the overall process of everything. So, and, and you guys have heard me say this, sometimes without no bad luck, you wouldn't have any good luck at all. And so, obviously, this season has not been the very best. But I will say this, there's been a lot of life lessons that I've encountered that have helped me to grow, and I know it's helped our staff to grow as well. And these players, they are learning that just because you have a professional tag next to your name does not necessarily mean that you're the best in the business. Now, if you, if you want to earn that, we have to go out and learn to take that. And that starts with our work ethic, something that I was discussing earlier. Well, if Eric Bieniemy does get fired by the commanders, and I think that he will, but if he does get fired by the commanders, it's going to be very interesting to see where he lands next. But remember the talk of Eric should be a candidate to be the commander's next head coach? Uh, uh, yeah, you ain't hearing that talk no more. Uh, well, these next few weeks are going to be filled with major commander's news. And so make sure that you're listening to this podcast. And if you're on Instagram, make sure that you're following at WSH on the daily. WSH on the daily. It just started in 2021 and yet has more than 24,000 followers and is literally daily. The page is updated every day. News, notes, reports, photos, graphics. Uh, WSH on the Daily on Instagram is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information and doesn't just post anything that anyone says. WSH on the Daily is a great place in which you can converse with other Commanders fans regarding the team, the draft, reagency, and trades. WSH on the Daily responds to every single DM. WSH on the Daily is a page at which you can have fun, including the contest Name That Redskin and Free Wallpaper Wednesday. And WSH on the Daily always has a great fresh look. If you are on Instagram, check out at WSH on the Daily and check out at WSH on the Daily's online shop, WSHonthedaily.com. Some outstanding gear, shirts, hoodies, excellent material, uh, modern look. These are breathable and comfortable clothes, and they come with all kinds of looks. Uh, some of the more popular shirts are those with the phrase, Fight for Old DC. Uh, for smart, informative, fun, and engaging Commander's content, check out at WSH on the Daily on Instagram. And for great merch, check out WSHonthedaily.com. More now from Eric Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon. I mentioned his time with the Chiefs. The Chiefs in each of their five regular seasons with Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator, 2018 through 2022, finished in the top three of the NFL in total offense per DVOA. The commanders for this regular season, as I said earlier, are just 24th in the NFL in total offense per DVOA. Eric Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on what it would take for the commanders to get to where the Chiefs are. 
Well, you know, I can only answer that possibly from just being an offensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, the other issues, that's it's not for me to address. I think that's, you know, ownership and whoever they decide to bring in there as a new head man or whatever, they decide to go in that direction. But overall, the only thing that you can control is your work ethic. And one thing that I think our guys have done a great job offensively is just continuing showing the improvement in their work ethic because we can't control everything. You're not going to be perfect at everything. But one thing you can control is the effort that you put into it. And that's on the field. That's in the classroom. Uh, it's second effort and finishing everything. On top of that is to taking the notes in the classroom and then asking the proper questions so you can get the, uh, the right answer. But other than that, we just need to make sure that we learn how to become resilient. When things go wrong, it's not, oh, well, here we go again with that. No, it's time to basically stand tall, hold your head up high, and figure out how we're going to handle this next situation and continue powering forward. So if anything, and I'm just talking about an offensive football standpoint, that's where we need to go. That's the direction we need to head in. So two things from that cut stuck out to me. One was Eric Bieniemy saying, quote, I think that's ownership and whoever they decide to bring in here as a new head man or whatever, if they decide to go in that direction, end quote. <laughs> so Eric, like Ron Rivera in his press conferences this week, basically openly acknowledged that Ron is about to get fired, (laughs) okay? I mean, NFL head coaches and players in press conferences almost never talk about people getting fired. But we this week have had, like, open season (laughs) on talking about Ron getting fired. This really has been something. But what also stuck out to me from that cut was Eric Biennemi seemingly calling out commander's offensive players for not being resilient enough for not handling adversity well enough. And I do wonder if any of that has to do with the anonymous complaining from commander's offensive players over the summer about Eric's coaching style. I wonder if Eric thinks that he has had some softies on this offense this season, maybe a bunch of softies on this offense this season. Well, Eric this season has been very complimentary of quarterback Sam Howell, but of course, Sam's season has trended in a negative way. Uh, ESPN's total QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Sam, over the commander's first 11 games this regular season, had a total QBR of at least 51 in 7 of the 12 games. Not great, but that's something. Uh, Well, Sam, in each of the last four games, has had a total QBR of 28 or worse. Uh, Sam, over the Commanders' first 10 games this regular season, had 17 touchdown passes versus 9 interceptions. Again, not great, but that's something. You can work with that. Sam, over the Commanders' last six games, has three touchdown passes versus 10 interceptions. We, on Thursday afternoon, had this back and forth between Commander's insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post and Eric Bieniemy. Now, like a back and forth between Nikki and Ron Rivera during Ron's post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon, this is a lengthy cut. It's nearly three and a half minutes long, but it is worth listening to. Here you go. 
I asked Ron a similar question yesterday just on his view of what it's like developing quarterbacks and finding that franchise guy based on your experience of being in Kansas City before Pat Mahomes, during Pat Mahomes, and then coming here and working with Jacoby and Sam. What Has your view of that position changed over the years, and, and how difficult is it to find that guy? It hasn't changed at all. Uh, that that position um, is the most praised. It's the most scrutinized. It's probably the most powerful position in this industry. And so you just want to make sure that you got the right person in the building. But on top of that, you also have to understand that it takes time. Nobody's going to come in here and set the world on fire, you know, their first year. It generally doesn't happen like that. You have to go through some rough patches, whether that's sitting on the bench and watching from a veteran or getting baptized by fire uh, and playing. So there's a lot that goes into it. But the thing that I do appreciate is just having this opportunity to watch Sam go through it, okay? And then also having that opportunity to have a, a, a Jacoby Brissett in the building who's a, a – a, uh, a veteran proven player who's not only a heck of a person, he's an outstanding quarterback, but also, too, he's one of Sam's biggest advocates. And so when you have that chemistry and you have the dynamics of of the people that we have in that room, it makes it not only is it a challenge, but it makes it fun. And it keeps you on your toes because you have to remain creative. You got to make sure that you're staying on top of film, staying on top of, um, you know, the new concepts. So you're keeping those guys enthused about learning and, and, and just advancing in this industry. Just a quick follow up on what you said about developing guys. It's from an outsider's perspective, it feels like there's even more urgency than ever for young quarterbacks. They either star immediately or they're kind of pushed to the side. Do you feel that as a coach and what sort of challenge does that create for you or so? I, I think every situation is different. So I think you can only base it upon the circumstances that you're dealing with. So um, this situation happens to be a different one than uh, other organizations. So I can't speak on everyone's behalf. I can tell you from my previous experience uh, when we had Alex Smith and Pat uh, Pat had an opportunity to learn. And, you know, more than anything, I think one of the biggest values that a young guy can do is, is see a veteran player come in every single day and watch how he works. I think more than anything, that's probably the biggest life lesson of all of this. Uh, but, you know, on top of that, watching him work and then making sure that he's doing all the groundwork necessary to help him to develop that skill set, uh, that work ethic, and that behavior so he can have the temperament moving forward to become the franchise quarterback that you would like him uh, to become. Funny that Eric Bieniemy, in his exchange with Nikki Javala on Thursday afternoon, like Rod Rivera in his exchange with Nikki on Wednesday afternoon, brought up Alex Smith, uh, who is an example of a franchise quarterback who took a long time to become a franchise quarterback. But the truth is that these days, there are enough examples of good quarterbacks who are good, more or less, from the get-go to where if a young starting quarterback isn't good from the get-go, you wonder about whether he's worthy of pursuing further. And that has helped to fuel this impatience 
with young quarterbacks. Uh, that and also these quick trigger firings of NFL head coaches by owners who have more money than ever before and thus do not care about firing head coaches with multiple seasons left on contracts. But every owner and fan looks at what Houston Texans rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud is doing this season or what Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert did in his 2020 rookie season or what Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow did in his second season, the 2021 season, or what Patrick Mahomes did in his second season, the 2018 season, and says, hey, if our young starting quarterback isn't doing that, then maybe he's no good and we need to move off him. Here's the truth. If the commanders with their first round pick in the 2024 NFL draft take a quarterback and he isn't at least decent next season, there is going to be major concern that the guy is a bust. That's just how the quarterback conversation works now. What the Arizona Cardinals did in 2018 and 2019, taking quarterback Josh Rosen with the number 10 overall pick, in the 2018 draft, and then taking quarterback Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick in the 2019 draft. Something like that was borderline unthinkable 30, 20, 15, even 10 years ago. Not no more. And so we have this game (laughs) against the Cowboys on Sunday. The season finale for the Commanders. The Rod Rivera finale for the Commanders. The end of the line for a lot of people with the Commanders. Eric Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on this game against the Cowboys this Sunday. I'm fired up. I mean, Terry has an opportunity to go and, you know, get a thousand yards receiving. I'm like, hey, man, listen, we 54 yards away. You got to make it happen. Uh, you know, on top of that, I just want to see Sam finish on a positive note. This kid has worked his ass off. Uh, excuse my language. He's worked his tail off this whole entire year. And I just want to see him finish on a high note. I want to see our offense and our team to, to finish collectively together as a unit that worked their tail off and, you know, they can see the rewards. Uh, last week, I, it, it felt good watching the O-line play and watching them have the success that they had. But you don't want to celebrate in defeat, okay? Because when it's, it's all said and done, we, we didn't accomplish the goal. But there were some little steps that we took moving in the right direction. So hopefully we can complete the cycle. Yes, hopefully, but also hopefully the commanders lose to the Cowboys this Sunday. All right, time now for my underdog fantasy plays for Commanders Cowboys. Underdog Fantasy has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. One of the best aspects of Underdog Fantasy is its higher-lower plays. I have two higher-lower plays for Commander's Cowboys. The higher-lower total for passing yards for Sam Howell is 215 and a half. Now, Sam lately has not been throwing for many yards, but I tell you, I so could see <laughs> Eric Bieniemy on Sunday as a bleep you to everybody, having Sam have like 50 pass attempts, all right? So I will go with Sam having higher than 215 and a half passing yards and the higher lower total for touchdown passes for Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott 
is two. Uh, Dak traditionally has killed Washington. Dak in the Commanders' 45-10 loss at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving went 22-32 for 331 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. I will go with Dak having higher than two touchdown passes. So Sam Howell, higher than 215 and a half passing yards, and Dak Prescott, higher than two touchdown passes. And all of this is through Underdog Fantasy. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. And Underdog Fantasy has a great offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL, and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking NFL winners, only with Little Caesars pizza, you never lose. Uh, And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Well, the Commander's season-ending game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon, beginning at 425, will mark the end of a dreadful season for the Commanders, a season that on the field has been about quarterback Sam Howell as much as anyone or anything. Uh, Commander's head coach Rod Rivera this past August 18th what seems like a long time ago, uh, in a pre-practice press conference during the team's training camp, officially announced Sam Howell as the team's starting quarterback. Uh, Sam is set to become the first quarterback to start every game for Washington in a regular season in six seasons. But while he has done some good things this season, you can't say that he has had a good season, and his season has trended downward. The Sam Howell of the first two months of this regular season was a lot better than the Sam Howell of the last 
two months. We welcome Commanders analyst Mark Bullock back to the podcast. Mark, this Commanders season has been a regular guest on the pod. Uh, he is exceptional at talking Commanders from an X's and O's standpoint. He also is a Commanders fan, but Mark does tremendous Commanders film breakdowns. You can read Mark's work on his Substack Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. He puts out multiple posts per week. Uh, make yourself a smarter Commanders fan. Markbullock.substack.com. He is written for The Athletic and for The Washington Post. And you can follow Mark on X at Mark Bullock NFL. Uh, so, Mark, I know that you had been ill. Uh, we're glad that you're feeling better. Is there truth to the internet rumor that watching so many of the all 22s of the 2023 Commanders is what made you sick? <laughs> Uh, I will not confirm nor deny that rumour, um, but uh, yeah, it, it hasn't been the greatest watching the last few weeks, that's for sure, um, but I, I believe the illness was, was somewhat unrelated. All right, well, good. Well, we last talked in early December, and uh, quite a bit has happened uh, with Sam Howell since then. Uh, he will be the team starting quarterback for this game against the Cowboys this Sunday, but the regression of Sam this season really has been unfortunate. A guy who was such a bright spot for a good chunk of this season now has seen his season completely fall apart. Uh, A number of your recent posts have been about Sam. It's interesting, his performance in the 27-10 loss to the San Francisco 49ers at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon was an improvement of what he had been doing in the recent past, but the performance also was like a microcosm of his season. Went well over the first three quarters and then collapsed in the fourth quarter. Uh, What do you see as the primary causes of Sam's season unraveling as it has? Yeah, it's been a really interesting one to see because for a good three quarters of the season, we saw some pretty continual development where he was getting to a point where he was um, reading things out pretty well. He was getting the ball out quite efficiently and and we saw the growth that Ron Rivera loves to talk about. Um, And then you know, the last few weeks we've just seen massive regression and it's, for me, he stopped doing the simple things well. Um, and I don't know if there was kind of a, some pressure on him to be hitting those explosive plays. I think we talked about it a little bit um, earlier this year where um, he was he was getting the ball out efficiently and, and moving the offense, but the offense was lacking some explosive plays down the field. And then um, he started to do his sort of scrambling stuff and going off script and creating some of those explosive plays. And then the offense started to rely a little bit too much on that. I think he was kind of getting into that mindset a little bit too much. And um, he started passing up things that were open and and the kind of the layup throws within the offense, the the quick game stuff and um, just getting the ball out efficiently and and staying ahead of the chains, which, which he did so well earlier in the year. And and that's when the offense was, was looking a lot better um, when they were doing that kind of thing. Um, and instead, he, he started to rely on those, as I say, those those going off scripts and scrambling around. And, and, and that can work for a couple plays, and, and you can get some explosive plays out of that. But it's hard to build an entire offense around that. Um, and you've kind of seen that with how Russell Wilson went in Seattle and, and now Denver, where he's a guy that has kind of become very reliant on those explosive plays and missing the layups within the offense. And and, and now Denver are, are trying to move on from him after giving him that big contract. So um, that that's kind of where Howell has, has gone wrong the last few weeks. And and um, that's where Brissett kind of stood out when, when he came in, was he was just taking the layups and, and, and getting the ball out 
efficiently and the offense started to look good again. Um, and, and this week I thought Hal did a, a better job um, of, of getting back to what was making him successful, which was getting the ball out quickly and on time. And, and even if he made a misread here or there, he was still um, correcting himself on time within the play and finding a check down or um, not lingering on a certain throw down the field. He, he was um, quickly progressing off of throws down the field and, and, and finding underneath routes that were open and, and picking up those little four, five, six-yard passes that kept them ahead of the chains and, and kept it into third and manageable. And, and he was also helped by play calling, I thought. I thought they... they for the first time in in pretty much the entire season, they were quite balanced for the first sort of three quarters. We, we saw Brian Robinson run the ball really well. We saw the screen games get involved. Um, and we saw Terry McLaurin get manufactured some touches with like jet sweeps and stuff. And, and that seemed to take a lot of pressure off of Hal from feeling like he has to do everything in the offense. Um, and, and that play, made him play a little bit more free and, and take those, those layups. And, and so that's where I thought the offense was going until, you know, the, the fourth quarters when when he had the the interceptions and and that was when we saw the regression again. So uh, yeah, it, it was very much as you say, kind of a microcosm of the season where there was a lot of promise for three quarters and it all fell apart in the fourth. There's like a counterintuitive aspect of this decline of Sam Howell this season, and the counterintuitive aspect is something that's perhaps tied to what you were just talking about, but what had been his biggest problem, the sack problem, has been lessened dramatically. He has taken just one sack in each of the last three games. His sack percentage for this regular season has come way down, and yet his recent play has been poor. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, the the sacks... Quite a, quite a lot of those early sacks came from him trying to play within the pocket and and taking too long to um, progress through reads and, and and getting sacked from holding onto the ball. Uh, whereas the last few weeks, as I said, he's he's been more freelancing and, and trying to go off script and scrambling around. And and by doing that, you're avoiding the pass rushers and you're 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 creating more space for yourself to run around and avoid those sacks. So the sacks do come down, but then the percentage of successful plays also comes down significantly and, and you're relying on being able to create two or three explosive plays off of those those looks rather than being able to consistently move the ball down the field um, and and kind of dink and dunk your way down the field, which is what they did earlier in the season. Um, and obviously, you kind of want to find a happy medium between there where you can play efficiently from the pocket and then when the reads aren't there, you can go off script um, and then create those explosive plays. Um, and it seems like the last few weeks, Hal has kind of found the unhappy medium of, you know, not playing well from the pocket and also going off script too much and not getting enough explosive plays. So that's, that's kind of where, how I see that kind of going. Is there any legitimate argument left for Sam Howell being the commander's QB1 for next season? Um, I, I still believe in the talent that Hal, Hal has. I think you've seen a lot of positives. If you if you take certain games in isolation, obviously, like the couple games against Philly, and, and, and um, I, I thought he had some nice stuff against the Patriots, um, there was some nice stuff against the Seahawks. Um, you can take some different games in isolation and you can go, there's some really good stuff here. And, and even in this game, there was some really nice throws, like the, the, the slot fade to Terry McLaurin. Like, that was a play where... They started in, in empty formation. Uh, they motioned the running back into the backfield, and, and he, 
identified that the defense was in a man coverage look. So he then made a signal to McLaurin that was like, hey, we'll run, let's switch this, we'll run the slot fade. Um, and then he confirmed the coverage pre, uh, post-snap and he kept his eyes in the middle of the field to hold the, the safety in the middle and then quickly shuffled his feet, got himself aligned and, and delivered a dime down the sideline to McLaurin. And, and that is real high-level quarterbacking. Um, but unfortunately, the, the interceptions were very low-level quarterbacking. So there's quite a lot of high variance with him, um, as there is with a lot of young quarterbacks. So I, I don't think Sam Howell is done as an NFL quarterback. Um, but I think a new regime coming in doesn't have any ties to him. So they can they can view him with a very, very clear mind. And they can also view him with a prospect of, you know, possibly the second overall pick, maybe even the first overall pick if they wanted to do a deal with the Bears and the Bears don't want to take a quarterback and and, and they can go and get whichever quarterback they might like in the draft. Um, so you're, you're not only comparing Sam Howell with how he's played this year, you're comparing him with the talent level of the, the quarterbacks that are coming out. And, and I think in all likelihood, this is leading towards a, a new regime probably drafting a quarterback very high. Much more with Mark Bullock in moments, but if you enjoy Commander's Conversation, always really good Commander's Conversation at bgobsession.com. Placate your burgundy and gold obsession at bgobsession.com. BG Obsession, or BGO, has been the home of the most knowledgeable, friendly, and passionate Washington fans on the web since 2009. BGO is a special place at which you can join your fellow fans for some smart football discussion, great contests, game day chats, and even lifelong friendships. So what are you waiting for? Visit and join BGO at bgobsession.com, home to your burgundy and gold obsession. More now with Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. The Commander's Assistant Head Coach slash Offensive Coordinator Eric Bieniemy. You had an interesting post on your Substack. The post came out on December 20th, headline, quote, examining if criticisms of Eric Bieniemy's offense are fair, end quote. This has become a tricky issue because seeing quarterback Jacoby Brissett play so well in relief of Sam Howell in those losses at the Los Angeles Rams and New York Jets certainly made it look like Eric's offense does work and that the quarterback play has been at fault for the bad offensive performances. So what are the fair criticisms of what Eric has done this season? Yeah, for me, I think the biggest number one criticism, well, the, the two biggest criticisms I've had, I'd have of the enemy are he's been incredibly unbalanced in terms of passing, and I don't mind being pass heavy, um, but you completely abandoning the run game to the extent that he has um, it is silly, considering how successful they have actually been when they have run the ball. Um, like Brian Robinson looks a really good running back right now, and even in that 49ers game when they were more balanced, you could see that the, the run game was was, was effective and, and the different schemes they use that when they, they've gone from playing running some zone stuff, some wide zone, some inside zone, um, and then they've used some gap stuff with counter and power and, and, and duo even, and, and all those things have worked pretty well for them. Um, but they've just not done it frequently enough, and then they don't, build off of that with a, a strong play-action game. And, and and maybe that's because they think Sam Howell isn't good at that or Sam Howell doesn't like, you know, there are quarterbacks that don't enjoy turning their back to the defense on play-action stuff um, because the, the, the defense can change their look while they're 
their heads were turned and and, and that's understandable and, and maybe that is a just a how preference thing that they've gone for um but it, it is also very strange for them not to have tried to build that out um the kind of traditional way and then the other thing i'd say of the other criticism i'd say of, of bnme would be um not having enough kind of individualized packages for the players that they have so we've seen complaints of you know terry mclaurin not getting the ball enough and and they have done a few things to get him the ball but it, it's there's not really a, a huge package of plays which you can say these are for Terry McLaurin and then you don't you don't see a huge package of plays that are for Jahan Dotson. Um, they've done a few in recent weeks with Curtis Samuel where they've moved him into the backfield and they've run him on like choice routes and wheel routes and that kind of thing and, and that's the kind of package that you're looking for with a player that you're like this is tailored to his skill set. This is something Curtis Samuel uniquely can do because he was a running back in college. He's played receiver. He can play kind of both. He can line him up in either spot. That creates mismatches and, and um, we can do a lot of stuff with that. But they've not done enough of that kind of thing with all the other players that they have and they have meshed different packages together. It's kind of just been we're running this offense and, and this offense can work if the quarterback can be extremely efficient, as we've seen, as you said, like with Brissett in the past few weeks, with how earlier in the season when he became really efficient, the offense worked. Um, and that's generally how a, a kind of West Coast scheme goes. If, if your quarterback is very efficient, it, it works, and you can move your way down the field, and, uh, and he's done some nice things in the red zone. But the, it, it's it relies on a quarterback being extremely efficient. And when you have a young quarterback, they tend to not be extremely efficient. So um, I, I would have liked to have seen him build out some more packages of, for specific players and, and help how that way be making it easier. Like, okay, this, this kind of play is for McLaurin um, and, and this kind of play is for John Dotson. And, and you can kind of not have to worry too much about all the different reads. You can kind of focus on, this guy or that guy and get them the ball. So um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that from, from the enemy. So is it accurate to say that Eric Bieniemy this season has been guilty of not adequately adapting his system to his players? Um, I, I guess, yes, given the criticism I just gave. Um, I, I, I think that there's different ways of adapting a system um, and the system that he has, because they have so many players there is a philosophy of like if we run our system and we just move the players that we have around and we let the defense dictate who the ball goes to we can trust that if we get the ball to Dotson he's going to make a play if we get the ball to Samuel he's going to make the play obviously if we get the ball to McLaurin he's going to make a play they've, they've got so many weapons that they can trust that they can make a play that you can kind of build a system around well we can kind of just line these guys up wherever and run whatever concepts that the quarterback's comfortable with and there'll be a guy open and that guy is capable of making a play and there is plenty of merit to that um but yeah it, I, I don't think it's been individualized enough to the players that they have um it's kind of been i guess a bigger picture concept and, and trying to i guess keep the reads easier for how um so that it's not like we're because if you if you do the thing where I suggested where you have a package for McLaurin and a package for Dotson, then each time they come up to the line of scrimmage, he's thinking, okay, I've got to go to Dotson here on this play, or I've got to go to McLaurin on this play. Whereas if you take this overall scheme of, well, we can line our guys up and, and run the same concept and, and how can read it out and just get the ball to wherever the open guy is, then that is better 
overall for a quarterback's mentality of I can just read this concept out and I can trust whoever's going to get the ball is going to make a play. Um, but it does tend to limit the potential of the receivers getting the ball and, and not forcing, obviously not force-feeding guys to the ball and, and, and limiting the targets that McLaurin or Dotson get. So, um, yeah, it, it, I guess it is kind of a fair criticism. All right, Mark's going to be back with us on the show next week to discuss some potential head coaching candidates for the Commanders. But with what we all believe uh, will be Rod Rivera's final game as Washington head coach, this game against the Cowboys this Sunday, uh, is Mark Bullock, like me and many others listening, and rooting for the Commanders to lose for the purpose of getting the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not rooting for them to do badly, but it is definitely the best thing for the franchise going forward if they lose this game. Um, and, uh, you know, with, with the Car- especially with the Cardinals winning against the Eagles, and, and now they have the chance to get that number two pick, and, and that number two pick could very easily become the number one pick if if the Bears decide that they're going to roll with Justin Fields, and, um, but they still want, you know, Marvin Harrison. They don't want to drop down too far. They, they could quite easily... Flip flop and, and picks and, and make a fairly cheap trade to get up to number one and, and draft whatever quarterback they want. So, um, yeah, I, I think to give the future front office the most flexibility, losing the game would be best for the team. No doubt. The great Mark Bullock, commander's analyst, read his work on his Substack, Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Mark, thanks, and we'll talk next week. Great, thanks. Well, change for the Commanders is coming. Uh, The season is about to end. The tenures of Rod Rivera and so many others with the team are about to end. And if you own or run a company in Maryland, Virginia, or Washington, D.C., you can put an end to dealing with insurance. Uh, This by putting BMC Insurance to work for you regarding insurance for your employees. BMC Insurance can assist you with designing and implementing group benefit plans for employees. These plans include group health, dental, vision, life, and disability insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a big Commanders fan and a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance uses cost-effective technology platforms to help employers manage employee onboarding and open enrollment periods. BMC Insurance conducts open enrollment meetings with its clients' employees via Zoom, a pre-recorded webinar, or an in-person meeting. And BMC Insurance is run by people, like Matt Brooks, who develop relationships with the employees of its clients so that the employees go to BMC Insurance with insurance carrier claim or billing issues, not you, the employee. You see, BMC Insurance takes the insurance burden off the employee and off the employer so that the employee and the employer can focus on what they do for a living and not insurance. BMC Insurance advises on strategies regarding implementing new group benefit plans and implementing employer contributions to these group benefit plans. Also, BMC Insurance can assist those who do not get health and dental insurance from their employers in obtaining health and dental insurance from the Maryland Health Connection and DC Health Link. And BMC Insurance understands how federal tax credits available through the Maryland Health Connection and DC DC Health Link work and benefit those who are eligible. The federal open enrollment period for those purchasing health insurance for themselves runs now 
through January 15th. If you own or run a company in Maryland, Virginia, or Washington, D.C., there is a better way to do insurance. Let BMC Insurance take how you do insurance for your employees to an elite level for both them and you. Put BMC Insurance to work for you. Go to insurancebmc.com, talk to Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. That's insurancebmc.com, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. All right, so let's establish what exactly we have with the commander's NFL draft positioning regarding week 18. The Carolina Panthers are locked into having the number one overall pick in the 2024 draft, but uh, that pick is going to the Chicago Bears. But the number one overall pick in the 2024 draft is set. The commanders are entering week 18 in position to get the number two overall pick in the 2024 draft, but by an ultra-slim margin. The Commanders, the New England Patriots, and the Arizona Cardinals are each 4-12 and in this 2023 NFL regular season. The number one tiebreaker for NFL draft order is strength of schedule, not head-to-head. This is why the Commanders, even though they won at New England 2017 on November 5th, are ahead of the Patriots in the NFL draft order. The commanders, as things stand right now, have the weakest strength of schedule, the weakest aggregate winning percentage of regular season opponents among themselves, the Patriots, and the Cardinals. The commander's strength of schedule is 515. The Patriots' strength of schedule is 518. And the Cardinals' strength of schedule is 562. The difference between the commanders having the number two overall pick in the 2024 draft and the number three overall pick in the 2024 draft right now is a mere three percentage points. And when you dig deeper on that, the total record for all of the commander's opponents this regular season is 140 and 132. The total record for all of the Patriots' opponents this regular season is 141 and 131. (laughs) That is the difference right now between the Commanders having the number two overall pick in the 2024 draft and the number three overall pick in the 2024 draft. The Commanders in Week 18 are home to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday afternoon at 425. The Patriots in Week 18 are home to the New York Jets Sunday afternoon at 1, and the Cardinals in Week 18 are home to the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday afternoon at 425. We are rooting for the Commanders to lose and the Patriots and Cardinals to win, but we also need to be rooting for the right strength of schedule results. What are those results? Well, a massive result is what happens in the following game. The Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints Sunday afternoon at 1. The Commanders played the Falcons earlier this season. The Patriots played the Saints earlier this season. We need the Saints to win this Sunday afternoon. We need the Saints to beat the Falcons. A Saints win would improve the Patriots' strength of schedule. A Falcons loss would lessen the Commanders' strength of schedule, and we want 
the commander's strength of schedule to be lessened. Uh, There are other Week 18 results that we want for strength of schedule purposes. We want the Chicago Bears to lose at the Green Bay Packers this Sunday in a game beginning at 425 p.m. Why? Because the commanders played the Bears earlier this season. We want the Denver Broncos to lose at the Las Vegas Raiders this Sunday in a game beginning at 425 p.m. Why? Because the commanders played the Broncos earlier this season. You get the idea. Per ESPN Analytics as of Thursday morning, the Commanders have a 76% chance of getting the number two overall pick in the 2024 draft. We are so close, (laughs) okay? But there is work to be done. And principal among that work is a Commander's loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday. And so, my friends, for the final time, this commander season, it is that time, the time to rhyme. It is time for rhyming keys. Rhyming keys for, yes, quarterback Sam Howell playing well, because I do still want him to play well, but also for a commander's loss in our quest for our team getting the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Uh, Now, as you probably know by now, these rhymes, they are not meant to be good, and they are not good, okay? Uh, The purpose of these rhymes is only to make a few points, and in fact, I have a saying for this segment. The saying is counterintuitive, but the saying makes sense when you really think about it. The worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so let's have a good time. Here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun. How does Sam Howell play well? but also our team lose this most important game. We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one, this for Sam Howell. Do not let Duran Bland be in command. No, Sam, you must take command against Duran Bland. Uh, I do want Sam to do well in this game. His number one problem for weeks now has been the interception, right? Sam, over the last six games, has thrown a whopping 10 interceptions. Sam, for this regular season, has thrown an NFL-worst 19 interceptions, including an NFL-worst four pick sixes, and has the second-worst interception percentage among all qualified NFL quarterbacks at 3.2. You likely remember what happened in the first game between the Commanders and Cowboys this season. The Commanders 45-10 loss at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. The Commanders in that game lost the fourth quarter 25-0. A big moment in that fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, second and 10 for the Commanders at the Cowboys 43. Sam threw a shotgun pass intended for receiver Jahan Dodson, but the result was a 63-yard pick six by corner Duran Bland, a history-making pick six, his fifth pick six of this regular season, setting a new NFL record for most pick sixes in a regular season. The ensuing extra point gave the Cowboys a 45 10 lead. Uh, Duran Bland for this regular season is number one in the NFL in interceptions with eight and of course is number one in the NFL in pick sixes with five. Uh, The Cowboys took Bland in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft out of Fresno State. Duran Bland, like Sam Howell, a fifth round pick 
in the 2022 draft. The Cowboys' top corner, Trayvon Diggs, is on the reserve injured list. He, in September, suffered a torn left ACL during practice, but Deron Bland is killing it for the Cowboys. His overall grade for pro football focus for this regular season is 88.3. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. And so, rhyming key number one, this for Sam Howell, do not let Deron Bland be in command. Rhyming key for Sam Howell playing well, but also a commander's loss against the Cowboys. Number two, this is for the commander's defense. (laughs) Commander's defense, don't fail us now. Here is the rhyme. Continue to not get the job done against the run. We know that the commander's pass defense has been horrendous this season, but what had been true was that the commander's run defense actually had been pretty good this season. And by the way, that does show you how stopping the run doesn't matter nearly as much as stopping the pass, because the team's run defense had been pretty good, and yet the defense overall was viewed as horrendous, because the defense is horrendous. But the commander's run defense has come tumbling down over the team's last five games of a loss at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. The Commanders allowed Cowboys running back Tony Pollard to have 13 carries for 79 yards and a touchdown. That works out to a yards per carry of 6.08. The 45-15 loss to the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field on December 3rd. The Commanders allowed Dolphins running backs Devon Achan and Raheem Mostert to combine for 28 carries for 116 yards and three touchdowns. The 28-20 loss at the Los Angeles Rams on December 17th. The Commanders allowed Rams running back Kyron Williams to have 27 carries for 152 yards and a touchdown. Although Williams did have two lost fumbles, one on a carry and one on a reception. But the 30-28 loss at the New York Jets on Christmas Eve afternoon. The Commanders allowed Jets running backs Brees Hall and Israel Abanacanda to combine for 29 carries for 138 yards and two touchdowns. And the Commanders' most recent game, the 27-10 loss to the San Francisco 49ers at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. New Year's Eve afternoon, the Commanders allowed 49ers running backs Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell and Niners receiver Debo Samuel to combine for 34 carries for 179 yards and a touchdown. That works out to a yards per carry of 5.26. And McCaffrey in the game dealt with a calf injury. The commanders for this regular season per DVOA are dead last in the NFL in pass defense and are number 16 in the NFL in run defense. But so much of the damage given up by the run defense has come over the last five games. The trend of bad run defense needs to continue. Uh, I trust the commander's pass defense to be bad. The run defense needs to continue being bad. And so rhyming key number two, this for the commander's defense continue to not get the job done against the run. And rhyming key for Sam Howell playing well, but also a commander's loss against the Cowboys. Number three, this is for the Cowboys. At home, you've been a beast. So do all you can to clinch the NFC East. 
Perhaps the biggest thing going for those of us Commanders fans who want the team to lose this game is that there is a lot at stake for the Cowboys. The Cowboys in Week 18 can clinch the NFC East via one of the following three scenarios. A win over the Commanders, a Philadelphia Eagles loss at the New York Giants. That game, like Commanders-Cowboys, is a 425 game on Sunday, or both Commanders, Cowboys, and Eagles, Giants ending in ties. Uh, There may be no NFL team that needs to win its division more than the Cowboys do. The Cowboys in this regular season are 8-0 at home versus just 3-5 on the road. And it's not even just that. The Cowboys in this regular season have a point differential in home games of plus 172 versus a point differential in road games of minus six. The Cowboys have been like two different teams, home versus away. The Cowboys would appear to need to be at home for at least part of this upcoming postseason in order to do well in this upcoming postseason. And so rhyming key number three, this for the Cowboys. At home, you've been a beast. So do all you can to clinch the NFC East. All right, it is prediction time. The Commanders per Crab Sports plus 12 and a half. There may be no trickier week in the NFL to handicap than the final week of the regular season because you get distorted lineups and you don't know who's motivated and who isn't. But the Cowboys very much have something to play for. And the Cowboys are a lot better than the commanders are. And the commander's secondary, which is not good to begin with, is banged up big time. And while the commanders have yet to truly quit on the season, that doesn't guarantee that they won't quit on the season. So give me the Cowboys. Give me them boys. Midas 12 and a half. Final score, Cowboys 35, commanders 17, and Operation Loseout is a success. And that is brought to us by Crab Sports. Crab Sports is Maryland's number one sports book. You can visit crabsports.com or download the new Crab Sports app, which is available in both the App Store and Google Play. Crab Sports is the only sports book that offers special boosts and parlays on all DMV area teams. If you follow Washington, D.C. area sports, Crab Sports is tremendous. And know this, Crab Sports is offering a $500 first bet insurance promo for new customers. Place your first bet of up to $500. And if it loses, Crab Sports will pay you back in a free bet. So you have a second chance to win. Join Crab Sports now with the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI. So crabsports.com or the Crab Sports app and use the promo code GALDI. Crab Sports is outstanding and Crab Sports wants to remind you to please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 years of age or older.
And some college basketball for you. A scare for number 19, James Madison, on Thursday night. But ultimately, another win. The Dukes for this season improved to 14-0 overall and 2-0 in the Sunbelt Conference with a 68-61 win at Louisiana. The win continued the best start to a season in JMU men's basketball history. And the 14 consecutive wins extended a program record for longest winning streak. Uh, Also, this win snapped a 19-game home winning streak for the Ragin' Cajuns of Louisiana. Uh, The first half of this game was uh, not so pretty. (laughs) Uh, Neither team could make a shot. The score at the half was Louisiana 23, James Madison 22. But the Dukes then won the second half 46-38. The game was tied at 40. JMU then went on a 14-4 run for a 54-4. 44 lead, and then held on for the win. Uh, James Madison won despite going just 5 of 22 on threes and just 15 of 24 on free throws. But the Dukes held Louisiana to just 5 of 19 on threes, and Louisiana went just 10 of 18 on free throws. And JMU out rebounded Louisiana 46 31, including having 14 offensive rebounds to Louisiana's five. Uh, 6'6", Terrence Edwards Jr., he in 36 minutes as a starter, went one of three on threes, four of eight on twos, and eight of nine on free throws. He finished with 19.6 rebounds and five assists versus four turnovers. Uh, Although his team did total 19 turnovers, but his team did win. Next up for James Madison at Southern Miss, Saturday afternoon at 3. And that will do it. For you and me for now, keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 735. We'll have a lot for you on the commanders off the end of their 2023 season. We shall see what happens in their game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 425. We shall see where the commanders wind up in the 2024 NFL Draft, and we shall see if managing partner Josh Harris fires head coach Ron Rivera on Sunday night, or waits until Monday, or waits until sometime soon after. But next week is going to be a huge week. Also on Monday's show, we'll talk Capitals, Wizards, and college basketball. The Caps have two games this weekend, home to the Carolina Hurricanes Friday night at 7 and home to the Los Angeles Kings Sunday afternoon at 3. The Wizards have two games this weekend at the Cleveland Cavaliers Friday night at 7.30 and home to the New York Knicks Saturday night at 7. And college basketball this weekend, Maryland is at Minnesota Sunday evening at 5.30. Georgetown is home to DePaul Saturday at noon. Virginia is at NC State Saturday afternoon at 2. Virginia Tech is at Florida State Saturday afternoon at 4. And number 19, James Madison, is at Southern Miss Saturday afternoon at 3. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday.